welcome to Reengage. I'm excited to be here. Um, uh, I get to lead the arts team. That's that's what senior producer means is is all it is. So I have a really strange title, and sometimes uh, people ask me what that is. And so I get to lead the the arts team here on Watermark. Is that something I'm doing? Are we good? We're all right. Okay, good. So uh, here's what I want to do to start off with our time tonight. Anybody ever had one of those situations where it's just uh, so embarrassing, you just kind of want to crawl and, and hide under a rock and uh, never be seen again. So I decided um, that I would tell you guys what that situation is for me and my wife, one of our most embarrassing stories. Can I start with that? Would that be okay? So uh, some of you guys that know me know that my wife and I, we went through this era. We've been married about 15 years. We went through this era before we had kids when we made some poor decisions and we got some cats. And one of the cats that we, <laughs> one of the cats that we had, we had named him Pedro. And Pedro was, without a doubt, the worst cat that God had ever created. And we had a lot of things that were going wrong with this cat. And one of the things that was going wrong with this cat is that he was not using the litter box, which all of you cat people, like that's your number one selling point with cats versus dogs, is that you don't have to take them for a walk. Well, this cat needed to be taken for a walk. He was not using his litter box. And he was really, it's quite destructive. Those of you that have had cats that don't use litter boxes, you know this, it was destructive to the house. And so we were really distraught because we liked the cat, but also we didn't know what to do because he was destroying the house. And so we had been trying vet, vet visit after vet visit uh, to try to figure out what was going on to see if there was something medically happening. We were trying all the new foods. We were trying all the new litter. I mean, we were, I feel like we were at PetSmart all the time looking for whatever the new trick was to fix this cat and nothing was working. And so we finally made the decision that we were going to let him be explorer, letting him be an outdoor cat because he was just an indoor cat. So I remember we were living over at the M Streets area and we, had, we were renting a duplex over there. And I remember it was November because it was kind of cold. And usually what would happen is he would go out, we'd let him out in the morning and then We'd maybe run some errands or come back at the end of the day, and he'd always be waiting on the porch to go back inside to eat. And we had this nice little routine that was working. And then one Saturday morning, we left that morning, went out and ran some errands, and came back that afternoon, and he was not on the porch. And that was really strange. And I started to walk around looking for the cat, and I'm kind of, you know, calling his name because I, I think the cat's going to respond, but he wasn't. So I'm like, you know, Pedro, where are you? And I'm looking around, looking around, and I can't find him anywhere. And then I, I start to hear very, like this very faint cry. And I'm like, okay, that's him. Where is he? And I start looking around, looking around, and I can't find him anywhere. And finally, I just kind of focus on where it is. And I realize that the cry is coming about 25 feet up in the air. He was about 25 feet up my neighbor's tree. And I don't know how he got up there. There were no limbs. Well, I know he's got up there. He's a cat. But anyway, like he got up there. I don't know. I didn't know how he was going to get down. And so I really started to panic a little bit because I was like, oh my gosh, how are we going to get him down from there? And so I come inside and I get Jackie and I'm like, he's up in the tree and I don't know how he's going to get down. There's really no steps and there's no, there's no branches or anything like that. And so what are we going to do? And she's like, he'll come down. He'll come down. And I'm like, I don't know if he will. And, you know, later I, somebody had as I told this story, it was like, we've never seen a dead cat in a tree, right? It's like, yeah, you're right. And so the, the cats always figure out a way to get down. But at that time, I did not know that. I was very focused on how are we going to get him down. So I'm, I'm like very distraught. I'm going through the house and I'm trying to figure out what are we going to do. And I come up with this brilliant idea that maybe I'm going and, to, and, and I'm telling you what I did. I got like rolls of, to of, uh, rolls of paper towel and tennis balls. And I was like, and I called my friends up who lived down the street because I had in, this, in my mind that if I could get him unlodged, like throw something at him, maybe we could catch him with a blanket. And so really this other couple, 
uh, Craig and Julie Winning, you can ask them. They came over to our house and we got a blanket and we went out there under that tree and Jackie and Craig and Julie were kind of hanging, like holding on to this blanket and I've got these rolls of, of paper towel and I'm like trying to chuck it up there and nothing happened. And so I got the tennis ball and I threw it up there and it nailed him in the side and it, it did not move him at all. He just like dug in even more. Like, okay, this clearly isn't working. So Jackie's like, he'll come down, whatever, it's okay. I go inside and I'm like, I'm really starting to get anxious and worry. It's starting to get dark and it's November. I know it's gonna be in the 30s that night. It was like one of those rare times where it was a little cool and I'm just sitting there and I'm going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then I decided to, I found, I looked out online and I found this phone number for the fire department. And so I just called the fire department. I got some office line and somebody answered it and said, hey, this is uh, Adam. I'm a, I'm a citizen. I live over here on this street. Um, I got a cat that's stuck in a tree and I'm wondering, do you guys actually do that? Like if I, will you, or is that just on TV that you do that? So is that something you actually do? And she said, yeah, absolutely. They'll do that. Just call 911 and they'll come over. And I was like, well, you know, it's not an emergency. And she's like, no, that's how you do it. Just call 911. And if they're not doing anything right now, they'll just come on over and they'll get them down. And I said, great. So I called 911 and it was like, Dallas Fire Department, what's your emergency? And I'm like, hey, no emergency. Um, just called this other line. They told me to call you. I got a cat stuck in a tree. And they said, if you guys like, didn't have anything going on, maybe you'd come on over and get the cat down. And they're like, sure, what's your, what's your address? I told them the address, and they said, we'll be right there. So I come out of the back room, and Jackie's in the kitchen at this point. And I'm like, hey, I called the fire department. They're going to come and get the cat down. And she just looked at me like, what on earth did you just do? And she's like, you're handling all of this, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not doing any of this. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm, it's, it's our baby, right? So I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to make sure that we get him. So go outside. And I'm out front waiting, and then I see the fire truck turn down my street, and it shows up. And I start to get this pit in my stomach at that point going, they're really showing up to get my cat. And now it's dusk, okay? And they pull right in front of my house, and they, they, I'm like waving going, this is, this is the house. They turn right in front, put it in park, and they turn the lights on. <laughs> and so now the fire engine lights are going, and it's going all over the neighborhood, like my whole block. It's, uh, and now all the neighbors are like starting to, to peek out and go, what's going on down there? Like, is there, a, is there an emergency? And then four of the manliest firemen I have ever seen in my life get out of that truck. Like if it was, if this was the calendar, this was June, July, August, and September. They get out of that truck, and at that moment, I, that's the moment where I was like, I want to run and hide right now, okay, because, and they're like, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm just kind of like, yeah, my cat's over here, you know, and <laughs> they get, they come around, and they look and see where it is, and they come back to the truck, and they get these ladders off, and uh, June tells July, you know, you're going to go up there and get that, and October's like, you know, and so we get the cat down, and I'm just like, thanks, and I just run inside. And just, I sit there and I just go, I should have listened to my wife. And that was one of the most embarrassing moments I've ever been through. And so that's just a ridiculous story. And I start with all of that because that's really just for the few moments that we have, I want to talk about, I want to talk about shame and embarrassment uh, because I think uh, we all have those stories and sometimes they're funny and, uh, and sometimes, oftentimes they're not. But all of us have these stories in our life and these situations in our life that we just want to hide when they happen, or we just want to run away 
when these things happen. And when we face the reality of some of, our decision, some of the decisions that we've made, we feel a tremendous amount of shame and embarrassment in our life. And when I say the word shame, what I, what I mean is, is just this desire to conceal and this desire to hide. And oftentimes, and especially in our marriages, I think shame uh, can rear its head often because we see each other at our worst sometimes. And we're embarrassed by our own behavior. And when we were single and uh, not living with anybody, if we were embarrassed by our behavior, we could just go hole up in our bedroom and just hide and not really talk to anybody. But in marriage, we are, we are confronted with our sin so often. We're confronted with our decisions that we've made that we're embarrassed by. And shame becomes this, this emotion that we feel oftentimes. And I think, uh, I think shame is really unique in this sense, instance, is that it is something that is universal that every single one of us has felt. We've all felt this desire to conceal or to hide something. But shame is also very unique in that it is one of the few emotions that's intolerable to humans. If you think about other emotions, we can feel happiness, we can feel sadness, we can feel uh, frustration, we can feel anger, we can feel anxiety. You can feel a lot of those emotions for a long period of time. And sometimes you might act on those emotions, but generally speaking, you can, you can handle those emotions for a season or for a few days. But shame is unique and it's different than other emotions because this desire in us to conceal or to hide oftentimes is intolerable. We just cannot handle it. And because it's intolerable, what it does is it's unlike other emotions where it drives us towards action. And shame, is that, that's what makes shame really dangerous because it can drive us towards an action that is healthy or it can drive us towards an action that is more destructive and unhealthy. And so as I thought about our time tonight, there's just this story in Luke. And it's like a story within a story. It's in Luke chapter 8, just an interaction that Jesus has with a woman who had every reason to be shameful, every interaction or every reason to want to hide or conceal. In fact, as we're going to see, this is what she did is she was trying to hide and conceal her, her source of embarrassment from the public and from Jesus. And it's buried in Luke chapter eight. It happens after um, the demoniac, the garrison demoniac is healed Jesus is kind of doing some public ministry and there's a person whose daughter, family member is sick and Jesus is kind of on his way to go help this other family member. And so that's the story that Luke is recording. And then there's this little parenthetical story in Luke chapter eight, verses 42 through 48, where this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years came up and she touched Jesus's cloak. And so let me, let me just read this story to us. And then we're just going to make three quick observations that I think will be really helpful for us and reminders for us about shame. So here's the story. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her, she came up behind him and she touched the edge of his cloak and immediately she stopped bleeding. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And then they all denied it. Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing around you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. The woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told him why she had touched him and how she had been healed instantly. Then he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. What I love about scripture is just how adult and real it is. I mean, this is, this is, not, um, this is not a kid's story. This is a very, very serious situation. This woman had been subject to uh, vaginal hemorrhaging for 12 years. 
And she had every reason to be embarrassed by that and every reason to want to try to hide and conceal this. I mean, she had socially and culturally, she was considered unclean. If you went and read your Old Testament and looked in Leviticus 15, you would see that this type of bleeding would lead her to be unclean. Because she was unclean, that impacted her spiritually. She couldn't go and worship God because of this, this source of shame. And so it was impacting her socially and culturally. It was impacting her spiritually. And then you can just imagine physically how uncomfortable that would have been to have experienced that in the first century uh, for 12 years. And so this woman, she had this, this thing that was embarrassing to her, this little bit of a failure in her life. And she was trying to hide. She wanted to go get help from Jesus, but she was also trying to hide. And so the first observation that I think we have for us on what is the source of our shame, it's this combination of failure and pride. When we fail, but we're also proud, when we fail in something and we're also embarrassed by that, that's where shame comes from. That's where we have this desire to conceal and to hide. This woman, she had this ailment that obviously was not her choice, but she was trying to hide. She was embarrassed by this failure. And the reason we know that she was embarrassed is because she was trying to be sneaky. She was trying to sneak up to Jesus and just barely, you know, behind him, just kind of touch his cloak and then move on. And so for every single one of us, what we need to understand and know about our shame is that the reason our shame is there is not so much because of our failure. It's there because of our pride. That we struggle with shame because we want to be perfect. We struggle with shame because we want to know that we have everything together. We want to project that we have everything together. And so I think that's one thing that we can learn from this passage is that the source of our shame is failure and pride. But so a couple other things that we can learn from here. And so this, this little interaction here in verse 45 where Jesus is kind of confused. He's playing confused like, hey, who touched me? Which if you're reading that, you're kind of like, hold on. I mean, it's the son of God. Like, what, what's going on here? Does he have an infinite amount of power that if something goes out, like he's in a video game or something and his little power meter is right there and she touched it and he watched it go down and was like, what's going on? I mean, he, he knew exactly what was going on. He was not surprised by this. He was actually kind of setting up her because he wanted to draw her out. And so that, that middle part there, what, what we need to learn from that, when Jesus was saying, who touched me? And Peter was like, well, there's all these people. And he said, no, someone touched me. I felt power who had gone out from me. What we need to, to learn from that or what we can observe is this, is that she was hiding. She was hiding. She had gone up and she had touched him and she was hiding. And so the first thing that we can learn about shame is that it's a result of our failure and our, and our pride. But the second thing we can also learn about shame is this, is shame causes us to hide in all the wrong places. It causes us to hide uh, at work. It causes us to hide at the gym. It causes us to hide working in our yards. It causes us to hide in our hobbies, in our garages. It causes us to try to hide behind good deeds, behind uh, sobriety or temporary sobriety. It, it causes us to want to hide behind Bible reading and prayer. Shame will cause us to want to hide behind Netflix and headphones and ESPN and golf and vacation. It wants us to hide behind drugs and alcohol and body image and introversion and extroversion. Whatever it is, when we feel like we want to conceal or hide something, shame drives you and I to hide. And it causes us to hide in all the wrong places. We all do it, but what... what I think we, we all know, or at least we can see it in other people, maybe we don't always see it in ourselves, is that we're all really bad hiders. I mean, this, I want to give you a, a, an image of what we actually look like when we try to hide. So if you just go out and look at these, real, these pictures real quick, that's kind of, 
that's what we look like. These are not my kids. I just Googled kids hiding poorly, and this is, this is what I found. So uh, there's one, play hide and seek, right? You, you know, I mean, and that's my favorite one. And so when you and I, when you and I try to, when we're embarrassed and we're feeling ashamed and we try to hide behind something, that's what it looks like. You can't, you can't outrun it. God knows what's going on and, and it causes us to hide in all the wrong places and our hiding does not help the shame. The thing that helps the shame is coming, what we see this woman do. She came out into the light and she interacted with Jesus. And so the last observation here at the end, so then the woman, when she realized Jesus was calling her out and she comes out, and she told him exactly what was going on, why she touched him and what happened. And think about this for her, because she was trying to hide. She was embarrassed by all of it. And Peter made it very clear. Luke recorded it. There were a lot of people around. And so she had to tell everybody what was going on. And she had to tell everybody, hey, I, this is what my ailment was. I was afraid. I came. I touched you. And it all changed. It's kind of this tense situation here. And she received she received an unbelievable amount of grace. She, re she received the grace of God that came when you, she brought the source of her shame out into the light. And so the third and just final quick observation I want us to make and understand is that our shame can be a showcase for God's grace. So it's there, it's there because of our pride and our failure. It causes us to want to hide in all the wrong places. But when we finally quit hiding and we come to God with the source of our shame and we bring it out, and we tell him, and maybe if we tell others, what we realize is that what we thought was going to happen, where people were going to reject us and God was going to reject us, the exact opposite happens. It becomes this unbelievable showcase for God's grace. So he declares her well. He declares her clean and lets everybody know in that moment, not only was she physically, not only was she physically healed, but the other sources of the embarrassment, the spiritual embarrassment that she felt and the cultural and social embarrassment that she felt, it was all gone right there in that moment. And so shame causes us to hide in all the wrong places as a result of our failure and our, and our pride, but it can always be the showcase for God's grace if we just bring it out. And so I, I share that tonight because I, I feel like this has been uh, my whole life, my number one struggle. I, I went to Regeneration back when it was called Celebrate Recovery, and I thought my issue in my life was anger. And the more I started to peel back the layers in my life, I realized that one of the number one things that plagues me is shame. I feel like I am an Olympic-level person who, who struggles with shame. I've got so much that I can be embarrassed about from my past with nothing I can do anymore, and even in my future, or excuse me, even in my present right now. And so I just, I just want to just share with you guys just really, really quickly, just like three truths that I have to remind myself. And this is, this is stuff I have to remind myself of it almost every day. So it's just three quick truths that have been really helpful for me when it comes to shame. And the first one I need to remember, and, and really just write down the scripture that I'm, that I'm going to share here, because I, I want you guys to go and read this tonight. The first thing I have to remember when I'm uh, feeling embarrassed and feeling like I want to hide because of the things that I've done and the ways I've failed, the first thing I remember is that God's not mad at me. And Psalm 103 is uh, such a breath of fresh air. And the verse in there in Psalm 103, where God just declares to us that he knows we are dust. He knows we're dust. He knows how we're formed. So any of our failures, he's not surprised. He, he's not upset. And he's not mad. Just that idea that God's not disappointed with me and not mad at me has been such 
an encouragement to me to just bring my source of shame, my, my failures out into the light with others and, and ultimately with him, with Psalm 103. So I just need to remind myself God's not mad at me. I need to remind myself that people generally respond very well to sincerity and honesty. People don't like it when uh, you're trying to hide. They like it when, generally they like it when you're sincere and honest. Proverbs 28, 13 is our verse here. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And so just like that woman found mercy, and she found in, in her honesty that everybody responded very well, I have found that truth to be true as well, and something that I need to remind myself. And then the last one is this, and this, I mean, you guys already know this, most of you in here is this, is that the more time I spend with Jesus, the less shame rules my life. And so as John said in John uh, the Apostle, or uh, John the Baptist in John 13, 30, he must increase and I must decrease. And the more I, like this woman, and just bringing my source of shame before Jesus, the more I'm spending time with him, the more I'm living in the light, I notice that the less rule and reign shame has over our, our life. So the source of our shame is failure and pride. It causes us to hide in all the wrong places. And when we bring it into the light, it can just be an absolute showcase for God's grace and Specifically, as this relates to our marriages, our marriages are going to be a system that is either going to create more shame or remove shame. And so uh, let me pray that our marriages, as we focus on these truths, that our marriages will be a place that removes shame. It doesn't, it doesn't create more of it. And so, Lord, we thank you for this woman and this story that was recorded for us to learn from. And so, Lord, we identify with her. We all have things that we're embarrassed by. We all have things that we wish we wouldn't have said and wish we wouldn't have done and and we want to hide like she was hiding. And so, Lord, I pray that we will have the faith and courage that this woman had to test your word to be true, to bring these things into the light, and that we too, as we don't hide these things, as we confess these things, that we too will find grace and mercy, and that we will be met with that. And so, Lord, help us to just focus on, on abiding with you every day so that shame does not rule our life and cause us to hide and make things worse. And so thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. And I pray that you will help us, Lord, um, to just focus and live for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.